nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin. We're here to talk about the uh, mediocre, um, a little difficult week, uh, games against uh, Minnesota United and Real Salt Lake. Uh, joining me this week, we have uh, Ram, a uh, repeat guest from some uh, Arsenal content we did, uh, frequent collaborator Brad Tillery, and uh, a new face. We've got uh, Josh here to breathe some life into us. Hint, hint, uh, Josh Wolf. Um, maybe try some new things here. Um, but we're actually going to do something a little different to kick this off. Normally, we kind of jump into the game, see how everybody's feeling about that. Um, I'm going to gauge the temperature of the room, and we'll start with Josh because he's a little new. Um Josh, are you a season ticket holder? Um, not a season ticket holder. I'm in the uh, Oak Collective waitlist purgatory that I'll probably get off of when I have grandkids and uh, and well into retirement. Uh, okay. But, you know, if uh, if these prices keep on going up, I might have to take myself off the waitlist because what's the point of being audited if I can't uh, afford the yearly rate, especially yes. for factoring in inflation? <laughs> So I guess in theory, you sort of had a good week, but the rest of us uh, had less of a good week. Um, ticket prices were announced and, it, you know, historically they've been three, four, five. I think I've seen some people have six or seven in the past percent increases. Um, I'm at 11 for my seats. And I don't, you know, I have like pretty mediocre seats. Um, 16 plus percent over the past two years. Um, Brad, Ram, did you guys get hit pretty hard? Oh, yeah uh mine were i i've been very loud about it uh mine were i think 12 percent on the increase um last couple of years it's been in the you know two three four percent range which i think is standard across most sports uh but 12 percent was absolutely insanity i actually do <laughs> oh i actually don't have season tickets but i go often enough to the games i have lots of friends who do have them and i can I guess speak for them and saying, yeah, they aren't too thrilled about, about the price hike. I was, you know, eyeballing an opportunity to maybe get on a wait list or exchange or get tickets off of somebody at some point. Um, and the way the trend is going, I'm kind of leaning away from that. Uh, yeah. I'm not too, I'm not too thrilled about it as a potential season ticket holder. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even there's for you guys, there's downstream effects too, right? Um, you know, it's not necessarily somebody, you know, your friends are like, oh, you need to give me 14% more uh, uh, money whenever we go to the game together. Or like, uh, I need you to buy me 14% more of a jellyfish or something like that. Right. Um, but I mean, if you buy secondhand tickets or you start going more and more like it, it adds up. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't know if they did this, but I'm expecting we're probably going to get a concession hit next year, too. Um, and I was a little surprised they haven't done that yet this year because I don't think they planned out these tickets very well initially. And um, I mean, we were, we were the most expensive tickets in the league for the most part um, when they first started out. So just uh, tack it more and more on there. It's uh, it's not good. I, I do want to recommend everybody. Um, I don't talk about serious journalism that often on this show, um, but the false nine Texas Andrea Provolone wrote a fantastic article that pretty much lays out every fucked up thing. The front office has done. Uh, and then having the audacity to charge us 14% um, of a yearly increase, uh, you know, especially with the product that's out on the field right now, 
Um, I think we have some some feelings going around. So, Brad, anything you want to get off your chest while we're on the air? Oh, let's go. So my problems have nothing <laughs> – my problems – and I, I told this to some people at Austin FC uh, that I had a long conversation with the other day. I have nothing to do with the product on the field when it comes to the ticket price increase. Okay, I, I'm a sports fan. I grew up watching sports. I realize teams go up and down. I, hell, I went, to, I went to school at Auburn, y'all. If I don't know about supporting a roller coaster team, then I couldn't tell you anything else about it. Got an because, Arkansas fan on the air too. Yeah, so I mean, just chime know, on that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's horns. It is what it is. So that's fine. But when you sit here and try to say, well, it's inflation. Well, okay, but inflation wasn't 12%, 14%, which is what you're increasing most of the stadium on. When you say that when you look at the ticket pricing that the false nine put out and that was kind of community shared and how I believe how they got the information, um, how does the justification happen to where on a percentage basis, it looks like the lowest percent increase is going to the highest ticket prices in the stadium in the Lexus club. That's wild comparatively to the people who are probably having to make more life decisions about, can they afford to attend a soccer match? in the upper deck on the east side or the north end or whatever, where the tickets are a little cheaper, even the supporter section, because you're getting dangerously close now to pricing out key members of your supporter section. I'm talking like Lamerga members, right? I'm talking capos, people who are paying to be there to build that atmosphere that you love to advertise Austin FC. And now you're sitting there going, eh, you know what? It's really not that important. Somebody will take that seat. You're going to lose all of that organic goodness that you've built over the course of greed. And when you sit here and you say, well, we have operational costs and blah, blah, blah. I get all that. You know what I don't see? I don't see extra sponsorships that you could be selling. You remember that giant Atlas ad on the North End last year for about half the season? That's gone. Why wasn't that replaced? That's revenue you could have recouped to take money off of the, or take stress off of your season ticket holders when it comes to increased pricing. I was talking, and when I talked to my rep the other day, I said, you know, I, I worked in sports for a while, y'all. Profit margins aren't in tickets. Profit margins are in concessions and merchandise and stuff like that. Um, I only have so much money to spend, so I might keep my tickets. I'm still very much on the fence on this, by the way. Um, but I might keep my tickets. But if I do, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to be spending money where your profit margins are which is your concessions. Cause I actually didn't complain to them about concession prices. I had said that and he goes, well, I hear you saying about concession price. Like, no, 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 that's not what I said. What I said was the money you are taking from me goes away from your profit centers. And that's a problem for you guys down the road. So you got, you have to justify that. Um, I, I just, I don't understand how, and the other, this is the other big, big problem I have with all of this. They there was no communication. It was just a flat email. Hey, your tickets are renewing. Go check out your invoice. No, oh, you forgot the uh, the implicit threat in there too of like, hey, we got twenty five thousand people or whatever it was still waiting. Absolutely, but there's no explanation from leadership. And then when called out upon it, Austin FC leadership continues to turtle like cowards and will not put anything in the public specter about why this kind of increase is happening. And that's the biggest problem I have with the Ohio crew that has come down, Precourt, Lufnane, whoever else. Constantly 
turtling and coward are being cowards when it comes to hard questions that this fan base asks of them in a public face. They will not do it over and over, and it's becoming a pattern. Yeah, and I mean, granted, you know, everybody's going to trot out the inflation excuse. That's not at some level, it's true. It's not an excuse, I, and that's um, fine. And, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to get into a giant like economic debate about like, you know, whether CPI or Fed rate or whatever is the correct measurement. I can promise you, no matter what you're using, Section 230 and Section 233 and the supporters section and 134, they don't have varying, wildly varying different rates of inflation um, just because they're different parts of the stadium. Yeah. So you guys got to come up with something else for us and uh, at least try to like not insult our intelligence in explaining it to us. And like, you know, I... To a certain extent, I work in kind of a marketing-related department, um, and you, there's nothing you can do to get somebody to hang up the phone on you faster than insulting their intelligence. Um, I'm in sales leadership. Like, that's that's what I do for a living. And and this is what I told the folks over there, too, because my ticket rep – I sent an email to my ticket rep, like, just kind of going up the chain. My ticket rep calls me back, and I said, listen, respectfully, I don't want to speak to you because I'm mad, and it's not your fault and you are being put on the front lines without reasonable explanations to take angry phone calls, that's not on you. And it's on your leadership for putting you in this position. And as a, as a leader, I think that's a terrible position they're putting you in. And the next day that person's boss ended up calling me. And I told them the same thing because there's just a lack of transparency and a lack of responsibility taking from Austin FC, and they will hide behind, quite frankly, underpaid staff instead of answering questions on their own. And I, and I feel like I only got the call back because I happen to be pretty active in the community. Yeah, and I mean, I it, it's pretty obvious, too. I think I'm on ticket rep number like seven or something like that. They're trying to churn through these people. It's not an uncommon business tactic. It is a giant piece of shit move if you're going to pull something like this. Oh, it's terrible. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think uh, let's let's hear from the the non season ticket folks. I mean, Josh and Ram, like, are you guys? I don't want to say like you know don't get beers at the games or anything like that. Like, my whole thing is going to be, hey, I'll try to you know get like a couple things less a game or something like that. Is that something you guys have thought about doing to kind of stick it to the front office, or are you guys just hey, when I get to go, um, you know, I'm going to have my experience. I think either one's fine. Well, well, yeah, to kind of speak to that, well, we kind of have to, we kind of have to. Uh, dissect what is the value of a game at Q2 Stadium right now uh, because the team yeah. is is underperforming for a multitude of reasons that I won't get into just yet and then like if you think about the cost of a ticket for a single game like you're, you're lucky to pay face value for a seat in the stadium on match day regardless of how the team's performing and so if you take that in and you consider it's expensive to park and people are getting their cars towed at Circle. Uh, and and in the summer, it's also hot as hell. And as as a person who doesn't tolerate the heat really well, it's like, I'm, I'm staying home most of the summer. So that's another reason why I'm not buying tickets to the matches right now. And then with Apple coming in with MLS season pass, now that all the games are televised and produced somewhat pretty well, like 
the, the temptation to just like sit at home and, and watch this team right now, because I kind of have a feeling of like, oh, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to spend X amount of money at the stadium. I'm only pulling in this much money at work. This is my discretionary spend. Like it's there's there just seems like there's no active consideration from the front office as to like they're 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 leveraging the opportunity of the wait list. That's what's going on in my head. They're using this wait list that they have to try and price the people out that got in early, and then they're going to bring in new people at a premium. From a revenue standpoint, that's pretty freaking baller. Like I have to hand it to them if that's what they're trying to do then more power to them. But um, just like Brad was saying, like they're going to lose so much of the core founding members in the process that have built the culture of this club that is honestly the envy of the MLS with the exception of maybe a few other teams that like to think their fan base has the the fervor that ours does, um, whether it's a match day or not. Um, just from a from a consistency standpoint. Um so no matter which way you slice it, it's it's a bad look. And as a person that's not a season ticket holder, like, yeah, I'm sitting on the wait list being like, oh man, I just I just want that opportunity. I just want to get that call being like, hey, you made it off the wait list. Here's what's available. And as long as I had the money, probably like six or seven months ago, I probably would have said, heck yeah. Like I'm buying these seats, I'm investing in this club. And now if I got that same phone call, I'd be like, hold on for a second. Like if I sign the dotted line and I make this payment, what are you guys going to be telling me a year from now, two years from now, exactly, three yeah. years from now? Um, and that sort of bait and switch tactic, granted it took them three years to do that. Um, but that's essentially what's happening, right? Um is that they got the foundation set and now at least at least as a fan and as a supporter it it, it kind of feels like they're taking what got them to this point 100% for granted. Oh, they absolutely are. Can I say something in the front office's defense real quick? Yeah. They're charging us I'm going to keep using the number 14 cuz I'm not going to like say oh for this section da, da, da. they're charging us 14% more. But we got to spend way more than 14% um, more time at Q2 last night. (laughs) We have two-hour rain delays every game. Um, This is like a brilliant, brilliant tactic, and we're getting what we pay for, I guess. Um, Ram, how do you kind of feel about this going going forward? uh, I mean, my first thoughts when all this was coming out and reading the debates on the Slack channel and this and that... um, I keep thinking like this is kind of the par for the course of what we see across American sports and all the teams and all the owners doing this exact thing is pricing out the average fan. Like what, what, what's, what's been happening, right. Is, is it's becoming more and more expensive for the average fan, for the average family to go and enjoy a game because you have to consider parking. You have to consider tickets, how much you're going to spend for food, all this and this. And it becomes, a small vacation basically. And, and and I think for a while, at least for the first couple seasons, I mean, barring like the really expensive concessions or what have you, like you could, you see a lot of families there right now and they're enjoying the sport. And it's, and, and, and like we all, we've all touched on like this grassroots movement, you know, the foundation that's been built over these first two years, 
the, my first thought when I started seeing this is like, yeah, over the next, over the course of the next three or four or five years, as these tickets continue to become more expensive and everything else becomes more expensive, we're not going to see the same crowds at the stadiums that we, that we're seeing currently. It's going to be less of like that. I remember the first season I took a friend of mine and, and she was, she's not a big soccer fan, but, but, you know, she's into sports, she's on to this and, we went and she's like, wow, this feels just like a high school game. Like this took me back to like when I was in high school and you went to a football game and you just saw everybody you knew and, and it was a family affair type thing. And that's what it felt like. And that's going to start suffering a little bit more because again, it's going to be more expensive as it's been touched on already. I'm already starting to make, even before these things, even before this increase happened, like I was already starting to make a decision like, eh, you know what? I live a little bit further away from the stadium. I got the MLS season package. I'm going to watch more games at home just because it's a little bit more convenient. You know, I can relax. I can save some money. I'll go to some games, but not as many as I am before. And over time, I feel like that's just going to, that that trend is going to continue because it's just going to make less and less sense to go and spend all the money, all, all this money just to go and watch a game. Um, you know, I touched, I, I threw in the hook'em horns earlier, but that's how I am with, with the Longhorns, right? When I was a student, I went to every single game because I could afford it. As time goes on, it just makes less and less sense to go to a game because it's just such a hassle at this point. I'd much rather just watch it on TV and support from there and support in other ways. And um, yeah, I just keep thinking about that. And, and, and I keep thinking about like the, the owners and the people in charge, they don't care about that ultimately. They just care about how much money per seat they can squeeze out and so if that means it's going to lose some of the luster and some of that like they'll in their head they're just going to be like we'll we'll manufacture something like we'll make it we'll do our best like we're gonna like they, they feel like oh we can just make up something to kind of cover that loss of of that environment if you will like you know these are all like non-technical terms but yeah they, they're just going to squeeze as much money as they can out of out of every seat and environment be damned because to them this is just a product and and they're going to just make as much money as they can from it right now and they are leveraging the the wait list and they are doing all that stuff but it's smart business sense but it doesn't trend it's not going to translate to you know what the sport right and that's where this is like that eternal battle between the ownership and and you know the grassroots folks man like i, I don't this isn't anything new and i just kind of hope we can I don't know, fight it off as much as we can. Well, I want to say yeah, one thing. I, I, I want to add one Go thing. Ahead. I think that's smart short-term business. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Not long, not long-term. I mm -hmm. think you, you have a very real chance of turning people off for the long-term. And once they're gone, they don't come back consistently. Like I, 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 exactly. I take it from my perspective. Once If I give up my season tickets, like I said, I'm on the fence right now. That takes me down from going to every game, with the exception of like maybe one or two where I'm out of town every year, and I give my tickets to friends so they can go experience it, to me now coming to three or four a year, which is less concessions, less merchandise that I'm buying. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let me kind of synthesize this a little bit for everyone. First of all, uh ram don't ever 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 worry about using technical terms on this podcast uh we're a vibes <laughs> podcast and i just make shit up as we go it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah no seriously um <laughs> and uh 
so I mean, you kind of brought up the whole high school environment too, and I feel like that too. Like I ran into you on the concourse yesterday, so like it's a little bit of mm. a, a gathering place for friends too, and um, you kind of lose that when you start pricing people out. But also, you kind of mentioned, okay, well, it's this high school environment. Um, maybe we can't afford to do as much shit. The front office needs to know. I spent high school drinking in parking lots because I couldn't do it in games. If I can't afford to drink at games, uh, I can do it in the parking lot ahead of time, guys. You're going to lose your concession money. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm not the only one who's going to go there. <laughs> that's what. That's, that's what exactly. I, what, that's yeah, exactly what I was saying earlier. Uh, well, that's exactly what I was saying earlier. And and I go back to my point about sports. It's not hard if you understand sports business to realize that the profit margins are in concessions. Like that, that's where the money is made. Ticket sales pay cover your bases. They cover your staff salaries, things of that nature. They don't cover profits. So you start losing money on your profit margins. Cool, you're bringing in the revenue, but where are you making your money? Yeah, and I mean they're not even killing it with uh, with um, merch right now either because of the Fanatics deal. And uh, the Adidas deal, which I think are actually run by the league, but um, which, it's not like they're licensing out their own shit and making, you know, hand over fist. Well, and you're, you're talking about league things. That's another aspect I want to talk about here with the ticket pricing. You just touted this giant new TV deal with Apple last year that happened in the offseason. Why is that money not being used to offset some of these costs? Like, there there are questions. There are questions that we need to be asking as a fan base because I don't know of any other team in the league that is jacking up prices to this degree this quickly. No, I mean I talked to um, a few people from other teams, and they're maybe a little higher, like in that six seven range. But it's not. I think my buddies in Atlanta is three or four, and they already have you know um, their very very uh, nice cheap concessions at their stadium, so. Um, you know, we're going to foot this bill until we don't. And, um, you know, if the team keeps performing how it is, it's going to be not sooner rather than later, I think. You could have gotten into the game Wednesday night for 30 bucks on secondary market. Like this past Wednesday night. Last night before the game, I was on the train just checking pricing. Could have gotten in for $40. I couldn't even sell my ticket Wednesday night, my extra win for face value. I had to take a loss on it, my extra win that I had. So you're starting to see that pressure of the demand actually in the secondary market come down as well. So the value of the season ticket is actually losing its luster and value too. And that's another reason why I'm considering dropping is because honestly, I could just come to games when I want to and still come for the same price or less. Yeah. Work around your own schedule. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, that was depressing as fuck. You guys want to talk about the Minnesota game? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, this is like the one highlight we have of the show, so let's enjoy it. <laughs> Brad, are you going to yell at me for being positive again? Uh, I mean, I don't think the Minnesota game has too many positives to take away, but we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we got a. I don't think we need to deep dive it too much. We come out in the five again. Um, pretty much a standard lineup at this point. Um, but we get a rocket of a goal from uh, Gallagher, who'd been uh, a little quiet earlier. Um, for the past month or so. Um, great ball down the left from Lundqvist, crosses it, runners go forward. I don't know if this is intentionally behind them or if it's just Gallagher making a great trail run on kind of a shit cross, but uh, he smacked that sucker almost through the net. Um, 
but any feelings anyone jump out of their seat with joy and uh wish him a, a merry uh, irish call up even though he's not going to get it or anything fun or exciting like that i thought it was a wonderful goal i think overall in the season he's been he's been a really good player for us stepped up um yeah man it's pretty pretty goal man I have a lot of positive things to say about that match. It was it was fun for me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not you're not always going to win pretty games and as we've seen this season, we are what we are. We're kind of a middle of the pack kind of team. Uh so anytime you can get a result is going to be awesome. So I'll take it. You know yeah, the goal the actual goal itself is I think the culmination of what the team has been trying to do since Lundqvist yeah. has been on the left, since Lundqvist has been on the left and Gallagher has been on the right in this wing back formation, it, it's you, you'll notice we're not really Lundqvist doesn't do the same thing on the left side that Gallagher does on the right, which is charge that back post and try to come mm-hmm. in for crosses. We're actually it's really only Lundqvist throwing in the cross with Gallagher as the extra run on the backside, so it's all coming off that left side. Um, Lundqvist will take a shot on maybe a rebound or a loose ball just outside the box. Um, so we've been doing that for, I don't know, the better part of a month. And it's worked a few times, and it was a beautiful goal. Like Gallagher on the one touch, half uh, on the the bounce too. It wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy hit. Um, so the control that he showed was, was gorgeous. Um, you know, no complaints about that, and no complaints about the other goal later in the, the match either for... Um, Dreyusi, I just think from a holistic standpoint in that match, we were outplayed. And yes, it was nice to get three points, but man, oh man, we also had to pick two balls out of our own net that were thankfully called back for being offside. <laughs> and we had two others that hit off the post against us. That match could have easily gone the other way by two goals. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe should have. Um yeah. I just wanted to start with a little joy before we get to the suffering, but thanks, Brad. Yeah, you're um, right. <laughs> I'm in a positive mood today, can't you tell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we do give up kind of shortly after uh, what I think is a little bit of a, a silly goal. Um, I also think uh, the guy's offside. I watched it again this morning. Um, I didn't find the actual broadcast where they either like show the down the line or like uh, I guess MLS doesn't do the line drawing either, just PGMOL um, <laughs> shot thing. But, like, when they were doing the replay, they show the, like, still frame of, like, three seconds before the uh, the pass is played. And, I mean, it's a, a nice carry and a nice finish by their guy. We're playing a high line. We get beat by it. It happens. But um, I don't know what they were looking at on the replay. I thought he was on. Okay. Like, when you, when I mean, you see there's the, somebody on the backside playing him on or something. It, it, but... When you see the still, it looks like Lima keeps him on. And if you look at the cut in the grass where the shoulder of the player is versus where Lima's foot is, they're both about two and a half steps into the the lighter part of the grass. Okay. And that's what looks like it kept them on. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, they looked like they were surprised, even Minnesota, that the flag didn't go up. But, I mean, you got to play to the, the end of the whistle. And, I mean, at that point, they did a good job to finish it off. Um. I did have a major issue with both how we were playing that play specifically and generally we were, and I don't know if this is like something that's coached in where Julio is only supposed to like be left on an Island or he just can't do that job where he's 
the back guy who's getting beat left and right anytime a ball goes through or over the top or something, but that's a system we can't play again because we gave up way, way, way too many chances, even ones that didn't end up in shots or something like that um, or quality chances. Uh, it felt like every two to three to five minutes, there was just a, a quote-unquote breakaway chance for them um, coming through playing a long ball like that. We can't get beat right one with five men in the back. It felt like that until Radovanovic got there. Yeah. I, th- I thought in the second half that calmed down immensely because we had an actual second center back in the game with Julio. It was weird for me. It almost felt like there were kind of like three, you know, periods of this match. You have the first um, 60 or so minutes uh, you have when the Argentines come on and then you have after our second goal. And it felt like three different games. Yeah, and I guess fair. you can kind of yeah. muddy the waters a little bit when Rado comes on. But um, yeah, Rado comes on and then immediately uh, smacks his shoulder into the ground. <laughs> I watched that happen, uh, man. That was uh, that was, that was uh, ugly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he continued on. And I mean, kudos to him, right? But that was a rough injury. I knew immediately when, like, I was looking right at it when it happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to stay down. And sure enough, he did. And you can see, like, you know, zoom in and you can see his arm. Like, he's holding his arm. Like, he's definitely dislocated it or something. So, yeah, that was bad. Very scary. Uh, but, I'm man, he's a, he's a tough guy. Very tough. Yeah, I heard this morning uh, they're looking at a torn labrum, which um, I don't know how that really affects your timetable on a soccer recovery or if they're going to try to have him you know, play through it until the end of his loan or reassess him, or maybe it, that even possibly screws up his, you know, purchase I, by the club. I don't see how it can. I, I, and I'm saying this as a guy who has had a messed up labrum since he was 16. Um, you can, depending on how bad it is, it's something that he can absolutely play through. Um, okay. So I, I'm, I think he's going to be fine and probably plays as early as next week. Okay, good. Yeah, they said he's going to try to get back on the the training pitch. And I mean, some of that's just initial pain, right? Once you get over that, it's kind of yeah. it's uncomfortable to make him play. Yeah, let's be real. He's not trying to pitch a baseball or throw a, a throw an American football here, right? So um, the motion that comes... in, he's a hockey player now. <laughs> <laughs> the mo- the motion that comes with a with a labrum tear isn't terrible when it comes to the the needed emotions in a soccer match. Okay, that's good. Um, Josh, did you have a reaction when you saw him go down? Uh, no, not, I mean, I try to, I try to detach myself as much as possible from, from player injuries. Cause I feel like we've had, we've had so many in the first like third of the season to where I'm just like, Oh no, not one more. Like, how is this, how is this going to affect our lineup? How is this going to affect uh, just like chemistry and cohesion and also like, how is this going to affect when Wolf actually freaking subs in the, the second <laughs> half of a match? Um, but I, as far as how I, I have a question for the group, how tight was everyone clinching after Drew goal in the 82nd minute when we were trying to close the game out? Because I think the defensive effort was one of those where it's like, oh my gosh, we had a really great defensive effort. But then you look at the stats and you're like, well, maybe we were trying a little bit too hard. Maybe we should have been, uh, nipping a lot of those chances that Minnesota got toward the end at the bud because I'm looking at I'm looking at the sheet and Stu had six saves in the match. We had 23 clearances and, and and seven blocks. And if you look at Minnesota's counts on the attack, like they had 22 shots to R13, seven shots on target to six, 
and uh and obviously brad was telling us about the shots on the woodwork like you can't we won that match because of sheer luck and uh herculean efforts by stuber which has been too much of a common occurrence throughout the first few months of the season and a lot of that you can probably attribute to depth on the back line, um, especially after the players that we lost in the off season and then injuries, what have you. But it, it's, it's just like, if you're going to force your defense to work that hard, you have to have some sort of attacking power to offset that risk that you're taking in the game. And right now we're just not producing in a way on the attack that can ever make up for that in a match, which is probably why we're losing a lot more matches than we're winning right now. Yeah. I mean, I'll give credit. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I got to give credit also to Minnesota. Like they're they're a good team. They're wingers. Like the guys who were like, they were just so fast. It was incredible. Like they really stood out. Yeah. And so like, yeah, those last 15 minutes. Sure. I thought the defense defensive effort was incredible. Just considering because it's late in the game. You're tired. You've been going against these guys who've been kind of beating your ass the whole time. Um, I thought they stepped up and they did well as a group. And I mean, obviously Stuver gets, gets the nod, right? I mean, he's been sort of our MVP of the year, but uh, Minnesota is no slouch as well. Like they're, they're a pretty fast overall team. Uh, probably some of that has to do with, you know, we're not necessarily putting out our best 11 out there just out of necessity, but yeah, I give them, I give them, I give both teams credit. I give Austin FC credit. Obviously, like I said, it wasn't pretty, but they got the job done, but it was against a really, really fast and impressive uh, Minnesota team. Uh, it just that's just how it goes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, toward the end, like I just wanted it to be over. I was definitely clinching, and I was like, yeah, this team is not going to let up because they they were bringing it the whole time. Yeah, you said in the stat, twenty two shots to thirteen. I wonder how many of those actually came in the last fifteen minutes because they were just relentless. It was impressive to see, right? Like, I mean, obviously you you don't want it to happen against your team. But yeah. if you were neutral, I'm just like, God damn, like they were bringing it. The, the, overlook, <laughs> the overlooked play in those last few minutes was the Radovanovich clearance. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, absolutely. Yeah. That clearance saved a goal. And yep. Stuber, Stuber actually said it in the postgame. He goes, if he doesn't make that clearance, it's in the back of the net. I mean, it was... Oh, yeah, Stuber was super pumped up after it, too. He, like, yeah. pulled him up off the ground, like, screamed in his face, took a step back, and then went, no, that wasn't enough, and was like, yeah, and gave him yeah. another one. <laughs> it, it's, it was one of the more impressive things I've seen. Um, you know, Stuber, I went back and watched the last 15 minutes again the other night, and it was really the stretch from the 92nd, 93rd minute to about the 95th minute that was just a barrage of shots. I think he made three different saves plus the Rado clearance in there. Um, yeah, he, he stood on his head, man, to, to save that game for us. And look, I love Sebastian Jerusi. Sebastian Jerusi was not the man of the match. I love you, Austin FC. I have my problems with your front office and stuff sometimes, but y'all can't be giving it to the guy just because he's the most popular player on the team. Like, yeah. Stuver won the damn match for us the other night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we also, we only lightly touched on it. They had the ball in the back of the net in 86, 87 minutes, something like that. And it wasn't like they went to VAR and it came back. They were just talking about it on the field for about 45 seconds to yeah. a minute and then eventually raised the flag for offside. This wasn't like a clear cut thing. Um, I actually think the way this falls, if they don't raise that flag for offside on the field, we don't get the VAR call. So it was a weird offside too, because the player never touched the ball. 
the Minnesota no. player. But because he affected the play and he was in an offside position, it was technically offside. It was super weird. But don't forget, that's the second offside ball out of the back of the net in the game. There was one in the first half, too. Um, yep. So, yeah, it was it was a weird game all in. Like, I, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm not happy with the three points. Glad we got three points because we needed it. But we were thoroughly outplayed Wednesday night. And I think those are two concepts that could be held together at the same time. Well, I mean, I think that's true. And we took our foot off the gas after the goal. But, like, we were beating them down between, you know, whenever we brought the uh, the Argentines on and when we scored that goal. Uh, we were the better team, and it was one-to-one. And then we got absolutely peppered at the end of the game. But um, it wasn't quite as one-sided as I think uh, some people are remembering it just because that last barrage. It was it was a good match between the seventh and eighth team on the table. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. a very evenly matched yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, they have and Michael Boxall, it. and God hates him, so, you know, fuck them. So, I mean, we get out of there with three points, deserved, undeserved. Um, it was a very uplifting win. Uh, There's a bit right at the end where we kind of get a ball clear, we earn a foul, and Maxi starts pumping the crowd up. I know it was right in front of you, Brad. Yeah. Um, and everybody's feeling really good after that. Um, and I had my worries. Uh, coming off a win like that. Cause I was just like, okay, fine. You know, are we finally at the spot where we turn a corner? And then I kind of woke up Thursday and went, nah, something weird's going to happen. Hmm. So, I mean, do you guys want to do anything else on uh, Minnesota before we, we jump in on uh, RSL? No, it's just, I think it was by far and away the most exciting Minnesota game we've ever played against them that I can remember. Usually oh, it's kind God. of an ugly yeah. casserole one, nothing kind of game. That was at least fun to watch the other night. Yeah. That was one oh, yeah. of the better yeah. matches at Q2 too, man. It was really fun. I had a good time. And uh, mentioning Quality. it by not mentioning it, um, referee was fine. Not great, <laughs> yeah. not terrible. Fine. Well, that's like upper echelon refereeing in MLS. So that's I was going to say, I would take that's that in any MLS game. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I mean, we got three points. You got the good part of the week. Got the joy. Time for the suffering. Um, RSL, uh, we all kind of learned. I think we didn't know ahead of time Rado wasn't going to play, correct? We all found that out when the team sheet came out. Wolf had mentioned in post game Wednesday that he expected Rado to play significant minutes Saturday. So yeah, it was actually was, shocked yeah, he wasn't in the 20. Yeah. And I think he said he had some, like, additional pain or something. I understand holding him out. Uh, I don't know why Josh didn't start him on Wednesday, but that's a different problem when we won the game, so we're not going to dwell on it. Um, so we uh, we revert to a back four instead of the five we've been playing, um, which I thought was a little weird. But any thoughts from y'all before the game? Uh, any concerns you had? I initially thought when I saw the lineup that we were going to try Rodney Redis at wing back, and I thought we were staying in a back five. Oh, that would have been fun. Uh, yeah. If you actually like really watch Rodney, he's got the speed, kind of like Gallagher on one side, to to play wing back and to get up and down the field. And he's his defensive work rate is solid. I actually think that can be a, a long-term position for him. And he crosses the ball very well. Um so and he early crosses the ball well. Yeah, I I think I think he could actually be a solid position for him. And I thought that's what we were gonna try out. Um, but then come out in a four position, four back set. Okay, it was what it was. Um, I also have to question, how long are we going to keep Kip Keller in the doghouse? It's it's clear that Ring and Cascante, some of those guys just need a break on the back line. It, Kip Keller's played well, I mean, pretty well at FC2. 
And how long do you keep a guy in the doghouse and not put him on the field when he has started in this league for you in the past? It doesn't make sense to me. I think that's an incredible question, and I'd be happy to just kind of see him. I mean, yes, he made a mistake, but that was 15-some-odd games ago. Like It's four months ago. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I think he's I think he's he deserves a chance to get back in the starting lineup for sure. Cuz I mean, we're suffering I mean, that's the position we're suffering the most from lack yeah. of depth, right? We have a guy who who can play center back easily, so put him in there, man. I mean, what you do we tr- have to lose really? Like You trusted him enough to throw him on the field with a 2-1 lead at LAFC last year to close down a match. You trusted him enough to start him game one, his rookie season, but you don't trust him enough now to throw him out there. It doesn't make sense to me. Nothing about that makes sense. No. And I mean, we're not at the end of the season or like, you know, every match matters for the, you know, um, home field advantage or something. Um, And we're playing some kind of weird lineups. Like we gave Hector Jimenez 45 minutes the other day. You can give Kip Keller 45 minutes. If you can give Hector Jimenez 45 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Or, I mean, half an hour, give him 10 minutes, something. Um, you know, I think a home game, obviously, you know, we're behind in this one, so you can't really toss him on. But um, you had plenty of home games and plenty of kind of, you know, lighter touch ones. Toronto comes to mind where he could have easily played a role. Yeah, I also think we went back to this 4-2-3-1 last night to try to figure out a way to get Rigoni, Driussi, uh Fagundes, and a striker on the field at the same time again. Mm-hmm. I think that's the exact reason we went back to that because in the in the five three back five back setup where you want to call it with the wing backs, I don't see a way of that happening without playing Drewsy as a false nine. No, but I mean, you saw the like we can't play, we can barely play defense in a five. We can't play defense in a four. That first goal was absolutely atrocious. Nobody is att- and like they're like right on the edge of the box. Nobody is attacking the guy trying to cross the ball. Yep. Um, it's just a free cross. Like, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I wouldn't have sent it that well, but like, you give me that much time. I can (laughs) do a decent job on it. Um, and there's two guys who are, uh, basically unmarked in the box waiting for it. Uh, I'll give Rubin some credit. It's a hell of a header, uh, places it right into the side netting, but, uh, all he had to do is get a touch on it because Stuber's got to play the ball. And I mean, if he doesn't get it, the guy behind him is going to latch onto it offside maybe, but. Um, you know, we've got to have those guys covered up and this isn't, you know, Seattle Sounders or LAFC or somebody with like this high flying offense either. I thought that was a really annoying goal to give up because it was still early in the match and I don't think anybody was really like dominating possession or anything like that. And it was was so annoying because right after that, I thought we responded well, like we started building up a little bit better, but God damn it, like... I hate give, I hate it when my teams give up goals so early because then it just changes everything, man. And and based on where that cross came from into the box, Stuber had all day to make a move on the ball to keep it from hitting the back of the net. Um, and, and it's just like I don't I don't understand why at least like if he if he would have at least made an effort to play the ball and, and jump for it, like I would I would not be as critical on him in this moment, but. Just just to let a stupid goal like that go past you, and you just end up standing there instead of at least somewhat affecting the play. Um, that was that was one of the more suspect moments for me, um, at least in matches that we've played recently. And um, but other than that, I, I think I think what defined this match more than like 
any mistakes or ways that Austin could have possibly outperformed in this match was um, Beavers for RSL had just an incredible night in goal for them. Uh, yeah. ma- made some really, really big saves, um, distributed the ball really well, and uh, and honestly gave some props to fans in the South End at the end of the match. That was kind of that was kind of fun to see and see him stick after. And, you know, kind of talk to kids and such after the game because he's a young dude. I think he's like 18 or something. Mm, yeah. uh, so, you know, fairly, fairly young guy, uh, you know, fairly new to the league, making his mark. And, and it's just from a from a fan of the game standpoint, I mean, not necessarily a fan of Austin FC, like just to see someone that young having a game like that, like in league in the middle of the season, everyone's in stride, everyone's performing pretty well. Uh, what Austin FC team have you been watching? <laughs> Everyone is not in stride and performing well, Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I get uh, your point, though. <laughs> well, I th- well, I think people people don't talk about the level of parity in the MLS enough, um, and especially people are not talking about the situation in the Western Conference in the MLS enough. Um, you know, LEFC. I think they still have three games in hand on everyone else, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. It's at least three or four, yeah. It's at least three They're or four. Because four of, right now. Uh, because of CCL fixtures. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like the Western Conference, you have like St. Louis and Seattle battling it out for the top spot right now. But like almost more, more like more than half of the conference is like three or four points out from the middle of the pack. I can tell you right now, so I'm looking at the standings. From 4th through 12th, it's separated by 6 points. Um, Dallas at 23, San Jose at 23. If you go down to the bottom, 11 at 12th, it's Portland Sporting at uh, 17. Austin's 8th at 19. But I think that also, not to cut you off, but that goes back to why losing last night at home matters so much. Absolutely. Because Minnesota drew last night. Um San Jose picked up a win, but Dallas lost. The results broke our way um, to where if we had one last night, a Vancouver draw as well. If we had one last night, we're sitting in sixth this morning, one point behind Dallas and San Jose. Like that's and the difference between sixth and eighth right now is not being in a play-in game in the playoffs. Because eighth yeah, and ninth I mean... is a play-in game. Here's what's so frustrating about this fucking team this year, though, is that Dawn feels like it's never going to come. We keep getting our, you know, our Minnesota win or we beat uh, Seattle and get two wins in a week. And then we just shoot ourselves in the foot the next game. And like, it's nice to be optimistic and say, okay, well, we got to do is get into the playoffs. But I don't I don't see a play a place where we're going to get to where we're like, okay, we're going to string together three to five good games and, you know, things are going to look up. I'm with you because I I look at the overall trend, and it's something I've been harping on for a few weeks now. The last 30 competitive matches Austin FC has played, going back to the LAFC, uh, right after the LAFC game last year at home where he won 4-1, to there are two key things that you have to keep in mind. I'm talking about playoffs. I'm talking about CCL, Open Cup, all competitive matches since then, 30 competitive matches. We have scored 30 goals, so we're averaging one a game. That ain't going to cut it. And we only have one game in those 30 where we've scored more than two. And it was the GTA hat trick. Like, this, tr- <laughs> this is a trend. It, it's not even a trend at this point. This is just becoming who we are. Absolutely. 30 games is not a trend. That's damn near a full MLS season. And remember, three of those 
We're against a USL team, a bad USL team at that, and Violette. This is uh this is the time where I come in with the wolf out plug. Okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> uh my my take tangent. Uh I don't personal preference, I don't like how closely tied the the management of this club is with US soccer. I think you you tie yourself to that organization, you are asking for drama. You are asking for a mediocre product on the field and you are asking for inconsistency. Like it's, this is, if you want to say this is who we are, uh, you could argue that this is who United States soccer is as well. And um, I don't want to draw any comparison. I was just thinking this morning, it's like, who does Josh, who does Josh Wolf remind me of as a manager and his unwillingness to make necessary adjustments, his commitment to his own tactics, his, mismanagement of the lineup in a lot of key places dealing with injuries, whatever, because injuries happen. You have to learn how to deal with them. It reminds me of Frank DeBoer's tenure at Atlanta. Um, oh yeah. Cause he like Frank DeBoer, he had one good season. The rest of it was garbage, garbage. And, and I mean, you can even say as good season as the players rescuing him. Yes. As, and honestly, riding on the coattails of their MLS cup run, like, mm-hmm. It, there was still a lot of the players on that roster. I think Miggy had just gone to Newcastle and, and they still had much of their core group that, that gave them that season. And Joseph Martinez was still performing fairly well until his knee got injured. And, and, and then suddenly once the players lose motivation or they stop playing together, it suddenly comes down to, okay, we have all the talent, but now we need the manager to come in with some, with some fresh tactics or some new ideas, or at least add some life to a situation that's lifeless and Frank DeVore is has has never been the guy to, to be able to do that um no and and, and I want to add a another item to your U.S. soccer um uh list too is almost like a, a pride and a lack of accountability real accountability absolutely um so I had another stat here for you guys uh we beat Minnesota on Wednesday and it was the first home MLS regular season win against an American team since anybody want to guess? GT Hattrick RSL. <laughs> I know yeah, GT Hattrick RSL September fourteenth. In, in regular season, in regular season play, that was it. Yep. Also, if you're Canadian, fun, if you're Canadian, you don't want to come to the Q two, huh? Uh, yeah. fun, <laughs> fun stat I also re- re- heard last night for the first time: Austin FC has never, never once in its history won three straight home games. Mm. Huh. that has to change that that's bad man for a team that loves to talk about how oh, this is one of the toughest places to play in mls no it's not 14 <laughs> percent yeah i don't think that is hey hey murga's undefeated in the stands though let's go <laughs> that's true yeah uh, i will say this i think uh, i've never that that 30 game trend that you talked about since that lafc win i've never looked at the numbers like that and I've never like looked at stats or anything like that, but I, I just go off the vibes and the vibes since that game have been that we've been sort of a middle of the road type of team. And so I'll say this much. I appreciate you bringing those numbers up because that's really enlightening and kind of puts it on paper that, yeah, that's actually what we have been. Um, and so that, that's where I'm at in terms of like, like this team. Like I think we are, 
middle of the road. I almost felt like the the second season was a little bit of a, a wrinkle in time in terms of just how awesome it was and the storybook type of thing. But overall, like we are kind of just there, mid-table club right now. I mean, not to say we can't get better or anything like that, but yeah, that, that just kind of uh, confirmed it for me. Because <laughs> yeah. again, just watching watching the team, yeah, we have we've had some really really good wins, a lot of draws that were very frustrating, and also some draws that felt good. Like oh, yeah, we got lucky with that one, um, and then some really really disappointing losses. So. I mean, yeah, it's like Bill Parcell said, right? You are what you what your record is. You know, you can't really say if this, if that, whatever, this, that, and the other. We're we're a, we're an eighth we're an eighth place team right now in the Western Conference, and I think that's that's what we've been for a while for myriad reasons. To be honest, like I don't think it's just a coach. Uh, I think some of the I think some of the players I think have overperformed. I don't think we have that talented of a squad that people want to say overall outside of Drew see I just think we're very mediocre but that's just I'm not hating on the team I just think that's that's what it is that's what we have um well you can't fix the problem until you recognize yeah. what it is right yeah, yeah, I, yeah I mean we have major problems at the nine position I think that's an easy one to discuss um you know I, I know for a while and I've been harping against it for a while everybody's like oh Max you need to start more last night to show you no he doesn't the team the team doesn't perform when the man is a starter that's been the case all year long actually yeah he's great off the bench man but i don't think yeah he's good for like 30 he's good in spurts it it actually goes back to last year to the lafc game since that match we we have not been good as a team when he is starting matches um you know our best performers are actually our value performers for the most part when it comes to contract and what their dollars are getting. You're talking about the John Gallagher's of the world and the Danny Pereira's. Uh, I would even tell you Adam Lundquist. We're getting some really good value out of him since coming on. But those yeah, have been – Yeah, those have been the guys that we're, we're actually seeing some value from. Sofian Jafal has been very good for the little bit yes. of money he's getting paid, right? Yeah, um, he's been good. Yeah, but, you know, our, our high price guys, they got to step up, man. Like that's – that's what we need to happen on this team. And I don't, I think part of it's a wolf tactics thing. And I think part of it is this team for some reason has lost its ability to play together up top. There's no counterattack whatsoever. Um, I mean, Brad, Brad, we said this on the opening show of the season too. Like if you take out Rubio Rubin getting an absolutely idiotic yellow card, second yellow in the playoff game, I think a lot more people would see this team for kind of what they are, which is, eh, they can be good on a day, but, you know, over a long stretch, they're yeah. just sort of average. We maybe. were very, we were a handball away from being knocked out even with that yellow card, that second yellow card last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I mean, and we still didn't think- score an extra time against 10 men. We went, what, I think he got that yellow card in the 55th or so. So we yeah. went something like 75 minutes without scoring or 65 minutes without scoring against 10 men, <laughs> except for the handball. And what was, what was the moment last night? Uh, I think Julio had gotten the ball on a, on a turnover and was kind of running into the, the final third on the counterattack. And literally the entire rest of the team oh. was just jogging behind him. He was like, where are my guys? Where are my guys? I felt so to, bad for Julio in that moment. Like that, that was just a microcosm of, of who we are as a team right now. It's, yeah. it's, it's hesitant. It's a lot of, it's a lot of waiting. It's a lack of initiative. Um, 
drive, creativity, whatever you want to call it, like it, it, it I just I was just watching it. I said, does this team just not want to score? Like, I, like, like, what is going on? I think we're just I, getting. I um, that's... Oh, so yep. I think we're just getting. No, no, go ahead. We're just getting hit in the mouth, and you know we we lose. It's that Mike Tyson quote, right? Like everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth, and I think that's that's what's happening a lot to this team. Is, is when things don't go exactly our way, they they just kind of they're they're not they're not clutch, and and I think that's the reality of it. And I think the same thing last year. Like I go back to last year, the the thing that made the season such a storybook season, just how awesome you know a bunch of band of misfits guys who just are finally found their home because you know whatever they're they're players on the margins this season they're kind of being exposed as those same kinds of players on the margins we're not we're not necessarily an elite collection of players and no i think that's what's happening like i i, I you know they're, they're the same players we had the year before mm-hmm. they're just not i think they've already peaked i think they can't step up anymore because that's just this is what they are um they're at that age i think also we have we have like an older team like we didn't really get any younger from last season this year, oh. and um, yeah, especially I think when you're signing Zardes. Yeah, 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 and I think I think Zardes is one of those like I like him. I think he's a good player. He's just not a good player for us and what we want to do. Uh, like it's just it's, what, it's funny though. We're like especially when he signs Zardes. He's our youngest striker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's the youngest one of the. He's three. the youngest guy, and he's what thirty? Like thirty-one. Yeah. Yeah, 31, like that's. Yeah. Across, you go across any league in the world and you have a 30-year-old striker, you're probably not going to do that great unless that 30-year-old striker is somebody special, right? Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's depressing to say it, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while. As much as I love this team, I just, I'm not that frustrated watching them because I'm like, this is, this is, this is the team. This is what we are. And I, I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed. I'm just like, I just want to get to the end of the season and still be in, in shout shouting distance from a playoff spot and I'll be happy. And, and that's where my expectations are right now. So like, that's, See, I, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm a little harder to justify just being okay with a playoff spot because of the expanded playoffs this year. Like it's not yeah, top seven or it's, it's top nine that make it technically into the postseason. Yeah. So you just have to beat five teams in the West to make it. And for me, that can't be the bar. I know we're not a great team. Just the evidence is there as far as the long-term trend. But for what we want to be as an organization, and I understand MLS has a crazy amount of parity and teams go up and down every year. It's it's a wild-ass league, and that's why I love it. But the bar can't be, well, let's just hope we make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the bar should be high like we did – the, the 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 expectations are certainly there, but at the same time, uh, we're not going to get that much better with the squad that we have now, regardless of whether we get a new coach if Wolf leaves. Like, I think this is the team we have and, you know, it'd be nice. I'd be, ha- I'd be happy to be wrong. And let's say Wolf gets fired and we get that new manager bounce and everything turns around and the players step up again. But I just don't see that happening, even with the new coach. I don't know if y'all saw the 10-minute video that they put out Thursday after the Wednesday win. There, uh, there were two things that caught my eye. One was basically groveling to ticket holders about how much their importance are at the whole game, which was really funny. <laughs> but the nice. other one was at the beginning of the video. 
and the stark difference in motivation between hearing Davy Arnault speak and hearing Josh Wolf speak to his team before the game. And Davey comes across as a guy that you kind of want to run up through a wall for and go play for. And even just going out for warmups, the guys seemed to more, the response from the players was just more energetic from him than when Josh spoke. Go back and watch those first two, three minutes of that video. It's, it's pretty telling to me um, that there's just not a ton of reaction to Wolf in the locker room right now. And I could be wrong, but that that's what it feels like when I'm watching him play. Yeah, it does feel that for sure. I don't think any of us know Josh personally. Uh, if you do, like, hook a brother up. Let's get a an interview going. But um, he just comes across as, like, he's annoyed that other people are there, which is, you know, it's fine. I understand it. But, like, this is not your line of work. If that's yeah. your attitude towards your players. Yeah. Um, you know, go do some backroom analysis or some front office stuff. But, like, yeah, I got that vibe, too. And um, I've been thinking, actually, while we've been having this discussion, I wonder, because... I get the win on Wednesday and part of what made that feel good for me was we brought the Argentines on and like everybody was Josh kind of hit on this, you know, everybody's kind of slumping around before this. Everybody's like doing off the ball movement and, um, you know, replacing each other and actually kind of looking like they know what the fuck they're doing. And then there was absolutely none of that, even with uh, Drew Yussi coming on on uh, Saturday. So I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but I'm, I think I'm fully at the, you know, it might not be the goalie's fault, but you got to pull the goalie to send the message to the rest of the hockey team thing with Wolf out. And I think that's the only thing we can do at this point that has yeah. any hope of fixing the team short or long term. Yeah, I'm firmly Wolf out at this point. You converted us, Josh. Good job. I'm 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 on the I'm on the fence, but I will say before today I was not Wolf out, and I'm now leaning towards it. So, yeah. <laughs> Also, and last night's performance the... combined with last night's performance yeah. was—it's starting to add up, and I'm starting to be like, okay, maybe, maybe we need something new here. Well, I think my my rationale is that you put this coach in any other team, in any other league in the world, that is it is at least this level or above, and it's like you're consistently losing to your biggest rivals, you're constantly mid table, you're losing at home. And you're not scoring, like, like if you're if if that was if that was happening to, let's say, like Antonio Conte at Tottenham, the first two months on his job, like he would have been fired in the fall. They wouldn't have given him until like halfway through the end of the season. Um, because because yeah, the... this is multiple title winning manager Antonio Conte, not <laughs> Josh on his first job. And even yeah. Tottenham has that kind of yeah. like low pressure. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, man, they pay you to go there and then they pay you to leave. It's a good deal and if you can I just, get it. I just, I just don't want – I don't want Austin to become that type of club because that's yeah, what we're flirting yeah. with right now. Does anybody want to become Tottenham? Nobody. <laughs> I don't think we're – I think we're, we're still – I mean, I think we still have time on our side. Like this is barely – we haven't even finished the third season. Um so I think there's still time to like forge an identity, but yeah, we definitely last season certainly set the bar high for better or for worse. I think for better. Um, and I think right now we're currently like going through that growing pain, if you will. Um, like, cause I mean, how would this season be received if last year we were also like a seven or eight seed going into the playoffs? Like it just, it, yeah. 
who knows, right? That's that's here, neither here nor there. Like yeah. that's not reality. Reality is we did make it all the way to the the the, the conference final. So yeah, things have to be better, and things need to start changing. And yeah, and I think I think we're all fighting the realistic battle between like what should the expectations be versus like what are the concerning trends that are yeah, actually yeah. happening. And how do those need to be addressed? Yeah, I think how these need to be addressed is kind of the the giant elephant in the room. And I don't know if anybody really has a good answer. <laughs> like, you know, we could even say, I, like, I oh, fire Josh, but that's not an answer. It's a step. That's a reaction. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not it's not a full answer or anything. Um, all right, I'm going to turn us back to the, uh, the second RSL goal because uh, I'm nominally the adult steering this conversation. <laughs> and uh, I know you guys were talking about uh, how much you enjoyed Lundqvist and how you think he's a good player. I think he massively fucks up this clearance, hits it straight to their guy, pretty much up the middle. And, you know, he doesn't give them the goal, but uh, that's a mistake we can do without. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw something different or if you're kind of just saying, hey, you know, everybody on the back line was shit. Um, don't pin it all on him. But uh, we had a chance to get the ball clear. He had space to dribble it out. You know, nobody gives him a shout for to tell me as time fine that happens, but you can't clear that straight to one of RSL's players right on the edge of the box. Yeah. I mean, it's the same vibe as that first goal. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think that RSL was particularly like they weren't, they didn't have the dominant foot in the game at that point. I thought we were putting pressure on them and looking to try and score or what have you. And, and it's just a stupid mistake. And before you know it, you blink and you're down two nil. And that's, that's kind of what the whole night was all about. Right. Like, so yeah, it's just so frustrating. That was just a really frustrating thing about both goals is like they, they weren't stupid. Like they didn't need to happen. You, it, It's not like where you could just be like, oh, like tip your hat and just be like, well played. Like, damn it, we did our best and they still scored. Like, what can you do? Like this was both goals were just complete fuck ups, brain freezes, whatever you want yeah. to call them. Like so annoying, man. And we were we were giving RSL like way too much time with the ball in the final third mm-hmm. throughout the whole match anyway. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I've noticed that a lot more this year, where like we back off and we'll let people pass, especially like deeper in our zone. And I have no idea, like, because we didn't do this last year as much. I don't know why they started doing that. My only thought is either like they're you know unmotivated, so they're playing a little sloppier defense, or like it's tactical. But I don't know like how that could tactically be beneficial for you. <laughs> uh- I mean, I feel like I feel like last year, especially leading up to the LAFC home game, I feel like the reason why we won four nil, four one, in that match is because whenever LAFC got in the final third, we were just constantly getting the ball and just clearing it the hell out of there. Like, yeah, we were we were not letting them live with the ball in our territory at all. I don't know. Uh, you did mention their keeper had a great game. He had a really nice save on what was kind of a, a cheeky chip from Seba that I think is going a little underrated as far as saves go because it's not, you know, he dives to the corner and knocks it out. But that's like a very tough to track, tough to follow um, play he has. And, and it's a good save. We do get the goal off the corner at the end and then have another chance. Um, actually, the keeper makes a good save. Um, uh, and I, Go ahead. I thought his best save of the night was the one against Rigoni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that little flick that Rigoni had uh, off his studs that had it gone in would have sent the sent the place into a frenzy in the first half. I thought that was his best save of the night. There was no reaction and, uh, to, be, to be had there. 
and also the the Fagundes free kick from yeah. right outside yeah. the edge of the box as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that one was in. <laughs> that was really yeah. good. It was it was going uh, right into the bottom corner, yeah. and the keeper yeah. just had it tracked. Awesome. Yeah, it, you know, we talked about how Wednesday night felt like I felt like we got outplayed and we kind of got fortunate to win. Last night was a game where I thought we actually played better than them. Yeah, we deserved to win. We lost. So for me, over the course of a week, three points was the right result. It's just the way they came feels really weird. Yeah, and I mean, I you steal three in a game you're you're getting yeah. outplayed in. You know, it, it doesn't make you feel any better when you drop three in a game you should win, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was very – that's – that's that those two games, that's, that just describes the the team in a nutshell, right? Like, we win a game we deserve to lose, and we deserve to win this one, and we <laughs> blow it. It's just yeah, and un, I'll, very I'll uneven. Too, RSL, kind of the playbook against them is don't go down early and let them shit house and whatever. We gave them a goal early, a stupid goal. They were shithousing the whole game. Obviously, we had the rain delay. So, like, I build in a little bit of sympathy for any kind of professional athlete who has to go through, like, a two-hour delay like that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we, you know, we seemed like we were playing relatively fine coming out of there. It didn't affect us too, too much. Um, we just weren't getting that last little bit we need. Um, I do want to touch on uh, two things real quick. I thought the microcosm of the game was right at the end when uh, we got like a turnover and we're about to, you know, go forward and get our one last attack and we start playing the ball backwards. Yeah. And like the 93rd and a half minutes, or maybe it wasn't quite that late, but it was over the three minutes. Um, and that's the sort of shit that like, it probably doesn't matter, but it just drives me up the fucking wall. Mm-hmm. This is like, you know, easy playground shit. The clock is up, kick it forward. Yep. This is where uh, the other one. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, uh, this is where I feel like the the nine playoff spots starts getting in the heads of the players because if I'm if if take this game and put it in the Premier League where it's like if we lose this game and we keep on losing, we're not going to be in this league next year. But yeah. if I, if I'm a player on the field in that moment, I'm like, okay, we got we got our consolation goal. Our fans are going to be happy. Like, let's just try to win a few more. Let's stay in like the seven, eight, nine spot. Get some extra games at the end of the year. Still have a chance, some a, a minuscule chance at some silverware at the end of the season, despite putting forth a season long effort that doesn't deserve it whatsoever. Um, I don't know. It's just knowing, knowing myself. If I'm ever in an opportunity where I can slack off a little bit and still get the result that I want to see, like further down the road, like I'm not going to put forth the 100 percent effort. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just more more things behind the scenes contributing to that situation in the 93rd minute. I think the other thing, too, when you mentioned the playoffs, it, it could be easy to talk about making the playoffs in MLS anymore. But it's going to be a lot harder for lower seeds to advance moving forward because the first round this year is now a best of three. You got to beat somebody twice. Yeah. Um that that one game 21 shots that you're giving up upsets that you saw RSL pull off like two years ago in, against Seattle, right? Where they gave up 21 shots. Yeah. They had no shots themselves and they won in a, in a PKs that's off the table to move on in this league anymore in the playoffs. So for me, I don't know that. Yeah. You might make the playoffs, but your actual odds of advancing have just decreased significantly, which is good for the league because it rewards better teams. If you ask me, um, I actually wish we'd go to the Mexican model of top eight teams and 
play two games, but if you don't, the lower seed has to beat the higher seed, right? If the, they end up tied on aggregate after two games, higher seed moves on. It rewards the regular season. I think that's a beautiful way of doing a playoff. Um, but it's going to be harder to move on. So they can't really rest on their laurels and just try to sneak in and expect that it's going to matter. Right now, do we think this team has any chance if they snuck as an eight seed and got past the play-in against LAFC over Absolutely. the course of three games? No. No, I mean, you, we might lose that 10 goals on aggregate. <laughs> no, I'm serious. But there is no aggregate. That's the catch. It is a best well, no, of three. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't tot it up, but, like, it still exists. You can do the math on your own. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's all I was saying. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to hit real quick is this is the weirdest refereeing performance I've seen in a while because I thought she was very, very good before the rain delay and then like something happened in that intervening two hours and then like anything that was like remotely us breathing on one of their players afterwards became a foul and that just plays right into RSL's hands and it was weird because it wasn't like that was the style of the game the whole game it was only like right after um the rain delay uh towards the end until you know maybe the second goal that they scored but like every little ticky tack thing was then deemed a foul, and I just thought it was a very odd refereeing style. Obviously, it didn't cost us the game or anything. <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know I if you guys saw anything differently. No, I felt the same thing. I thought she was really good early, and then the wheels came off later on. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, RSL does that to teams and referees alike, so yeah, uh, we're not singling anyone out here. Uh, you guys want to do the fun stuff? Let's uh, let's talk about some, uh, some stock risings over the past week. Um, Brad... Who's uh, over the past two games? Who's your stock rising? The guy who only played 45 minutes, Alexander Radovanovich. Yeah, um, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he showed how important he was and ha- is going to be to this team. Um, and that if we're not trying to figure out a way to sign this guy long term, then there's some serious, serious questions to be asked in this front office. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think even if he has kind of a more serious injury, you pull the trigger and and you get him healthy for when you can. Um, Ram, how about you? Stock rising, you say? Yep. So who had a uh, – not necessarily who's our best player, but kind of like from the previous week, who's been playing better the past couple of games? Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, and it's kind of kind of basic, but Sebastian Drelusi, man, I'm really happy to see him coming back. Um, yeah, got a goal. Wonder- wonderful way to kind of come back after that injury with a goal. So, I mean, that, last night, as much as, as annoyed as I was with the result overall and the team performance, like the rain, I feel like just kind of fucked everything up. So I'm just going to kind of like close the book on that and move on and let's just keep going. Uh, but Driussi, like I'm really like, that's what we needed to cut for him to come in and just score basically immediately. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to see him continue to, build up his minutes, build up his fitness, and then eventually hope, I mean, I'm not expecting another 25 goal season or whatever he scored last year, but you know, we need an injection of life and I think he's going to be that guy to do it. So that's my guy. I do wonder if we got into a little bit of a lazy patch yesterday with just the like, Oh, Sebo will rescue us. He's back mentality, which uh, we need to get over, but um, it's conversation for another day. Yeah. I think it'll Um, be more just like him raising everybody's level you know, kind of like yeah. when he first came in, you know, so not necessarily saving us. I, I agree. We got to get out of that, but 
I think we have to like see him come in and just be like, all right, now I got to step my game up and hopefully that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, if he makes everyone better, great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no one's going to complain yeah. about that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Josh, how about you? Who's uh, who's your stock rising? Uh, I, still from a performance standpoint, he's, he's still kind of in a little bit of a slump right now, just cause he hasn't gotten, gotten back into a rhythm. Um, but I saw, I saw flashes of the Diego Fagundes that we saw last yep. year, uh, in the game, especially last night on set pieces. And that's where we need him the most is to convert those chances. And he got really close. So Beaver just, Beavers just made some good saves. And, uh, if, if Fagundes can keep doing stuff like that and, uh, especially love the collaboration between him and Rigoni on the set pieces as well. I think they did some creative stuff last night that I can't wait to see more of. Uh, so if they keep training in the right direction, I think we'll see some of those chances turn into goals and uh, yeah. get us some wins down the road. Yeah, I think it's a good shout. He's definitely uh, looked improved, and, and he was having a little rough beginning of the year too. So I think he's looked better even compared to that um, past game or two. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, supporters section because that was a terrible rain delay to en- endure, and – um, almost everybody stayed. Um, they were still loud. Uh, you know, they were partying even when there was, you know, monsoon rain going on. Um, and I just think they deserve to be recognized for that. It's a tough season. It's not like, you know, we're going out and whipping teams five, nothing every game now. So, uh, sticking around in a game we're losing against a team that sucks to play against. Um, I thought that was very, very admirable for all those people down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, less fun. We did the join after some suffering. Uh, Josh, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, stock falling. So who's been kind of a disappointment this week? Uh, I'm going to keep on the Wolf out train and be like, Josh Wolf is still not giving me any lifelines as a fan. Uh, didn't wear Verde. Didn't wear Verde. And it, it and, and I'm still, it's the, the loss to, the loss to Violet in the, the first leg of the CCL. Uh, it's, I feel like we all got over that way too quickly. Like it was just not acceptable. Uh, and I, and I feel like it set the tone for the way that our season's gone so far. And it, I just, I just, I just don't get it. Like I wish he was giving me more because I never, I think, I think as a fan, you don't wake up being like, man, I can't wait to like, like shit talk the manager. Like, I, I feel like as a fan, you, you hope that that's not the case. Um, but when you just compare energy levels of managers um, on the sidelines, uh, relationship building with the players, um, getting them to perform at the best of their ability, no matter what the situation is, um, I, I, I'm just not not convinced that uh, Wolf is even doing his job in that respect. I think his mind's on other things. I don't know what those other things are. Um, I'm also just speculating to p- throw a caveat in there, but the dude is, I-, I would, I would put money on the fact that he is not the future of this club. Um, yeah, Josh, give us something to hang on to and be like, no, this is why Josh should stick around. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, like that's where I'm at. Like I'm trying, dude, I'm looking for it. Um, but he refuses to do so. Uh, yeah. Ram, how about you, before this devolves into a full wolf out, uh, discussion, Ram, uh, how about your, uh, Stock falling. <laughs> my stock falling. Uh, I'm gonna go with my boy Rodney Redius. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll say Lord this, Rodney. man. Yeah, I, I, I've been. I, on one hand, I don't understand the stick he gets. Um, so when he started coming in and playing 
a good amount of minutes. I think it was the end of April or something. I was really happy for him. Like he was putting in, I mean, he put in a string of like three good, pretty decent performances, right? Stepping up. And I'm, you know, just kind of hoping that when he would maybe kind of turn a corner. And ever since that uh, game against Dallas where he got the red card, he's just been kind of, you don't really hear his name out. You know, he's just not really doing much since then. So I think his stock is falling. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of still rooting for him, man. I'm still backing him because I think he, he's – there's a player there. Um, just got to kind of see him get over whatever he's whatever he's going through right now. Yeah, and I mean, it happens. Players go through tough patches, especially after something like that happens. And, uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully he just turns it around and, and we'll see a better Rodney going forward. Yeah, but yeah, that I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's only based on like that three game stretch where he was looking solid. I was like, hell yeah, man! Like it's gonna start turning it around, and then it just kind of disappeared, fell off the face of the earth. I mean, he played some last yeah. night, but yeah, bit meta to the rest of the team for this year, uh, unfortunately. Basically. Yeah, um, Brad, how about you? Who's your stock falling? Uh, it's the Maxi should start over Zardis crowd. <laughs> I've been on the train all year that there's no way that Maxi should be starting over Zardis and it continues to show its head. Um, as a starter this year, Maxi has one goal and it was against a USL team. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not been pretty for him. And I, I didn't see anything last night where he affected the game. Like he hustled a little bit on trying to press, I guess early, but it's the same problem that we've had with him for a while now, which is where are you positively affecting the game as a starter to earn the minutes? Um, And I'm to a point where I'd like to start looking at options from FC two to start bringing up and giving those guys some significant minutes or at least 30 minutes here and there to see if we can't get some younger, fresher legs and some new ideas out there. Uh, The number nine is not a place FC toe is deep. And uh, I mean, I, I go see all their games that are at home and I don't think any of those guys could could cut that right now. But I mean, that's we've done this a bunch of times. Like the problem with the nine discussion is all of the shit we did in the offseason. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But they may not be deep, I guess. But I, I'm at the point where I'm not sure it can get worse. And I don't care about FC2's record. I like going to games. It's fun. I like watching them. I don't care about their record. They're a developmental team for the first team. Yeah, they're there. They're there to serve the first team. So the depth there is a concern for me more. As do we have somebody who can come in and potentially offer just as many minutes and maybe some younger, fresher legs? Because it's just not working. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, transfer window is opening soon. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. I don't see a splash in money in this this transfer. Oh, we're window. not going to. I don't see no, it at no. all. I, I don't think there's any chance in hell we do that. Um, all right. I guess I have to do one. I have a few, uh, I'm going to keep harping on Rigoni. I don't think he's doing enough. Um, I heard this weird theory, uh, that people were shooting around about when Seba was out saying, Oh, Rigoni's, you know, he's not doing well because he's never been the guy. He's only been a guy. It's like, well, he's been a guy pretty much his entire time here and he's still not done much. I mean, he had a good chance, um, against RSL, I guess nominally he gets an assist on the corner um, to Cascante, but like for a guy we're paying this much money to like, give me something more. He loses the ball too much. He makes bad runs. Uh, he holds it too long and gets people into offside positions with his passes. 
Um, you know, he's out of position, tracking back. Uh, I did like the yellow card he got yesterday where he basically just cleaned a guy out because he knew he was beaten. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's not all bad, but uh, I just, uh, for a guy that had this much hype, he has, you know, a goal. Um, uh, so it'd be nice to see some more. I I just want to say something about Rigoni and, and this. Do you remember that 30-game stretch I talked about earlier with one yep. goal? You know when Rigoni's first game with Austin FC was? 30, uh, game, 30, 30 games ago, the game after LAFC. Yep. There is a direct correlation with Rigoni joining this team and a lack of offensive performance. All right. Well, I didn't even know that, but um, you're going to take Seth's job. Normally, uh, when we jump on here, a bunch of us yell stuff and Seth goes, here are numbers to back up. Well, you're right. Um, or you guys are totally wrong. So Brad's doing the Seth role today. Uh, stock falling Seth. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to wrap up here in a second. But uh, so we do a little bit here at the end where we talk about our biggest moment of suffering for the week. And it can be, you know, a dagger goal or um, something that made you just kind of feel terrible or like something somebody said in a press conference or whatever. Um, and I'm going to let Brad go first on this one. What was your biggest moment of suffering for the week that was? The failure of the canopy to keep me dry in my seats last night. Okay. All right. <laughs> that rain was cold. That rain was cold. I was not happy about being uh, getting wet and having to scramble, like, I don't know, another seven, eight rows up to, to stay dry. Um, I don't know, man. It was, it was refreshing just, at first. No, like, when the when it finished, the weather was great afterwards last yeah. night. It was, it was fantastic. But uh, you're sitting there during delay – you know they're saying like, oh, we might play at nine fifteen. The in-house meteorologist. I'm sitting here looking at the weather map, going, we ain't playing for at least ten o'clock here, guys. Yeah. Um, it was pretty obvious from the get-go. But uh, yeah, sitting there trying to enjoy a beer and a rain delayed. House DJ is playing some quality '90s rock and roll, which is like right up my alley. And yeah. and then all of a sudden, I'm just I can't get away from the rain because the canopy uh, does not do well when the wind is blowing enough in the right direction. No, it almost looked like snow at one point um, <laughs> coming down because of the the wind and how far uh, across it was blowing. Yeah. Uh, Ram, how about you? Uh, last night was pretty shitty overall. I Just thought all of it. Well, <laughs> as I said, yeah, as we were talking about the match, like you know, the first goal was really stupid, but I thought like we were trending towards you know making that up and and potentially coming out with three points yesterday. And I think I'm not making excuses for the team, but the rain, the rain delays are never good for anybody. So I just think the, the, the whole delay, the whole evening, it just started out good. And then it just turned into a shitty night. So I'm going to blame yeah. mother nature. Mother nature really fucked it up. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. My, uh, my dog thinks I control the weather and anytime it rains, she gets mad at me. So you can blame me if you want to uh, yeah. just jump on that train. Uh, Josh, how about you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, despite it being one of the best rosters ever assembled in the history of uh, world football, uh, just watching Man City go two thirds of the way to the treble, it's been mm-hmm. just really in, in the closet, getting under my skin a little bit. Uh, just knowing how they got there, uh, you know, you can you can hand it to Pep, you can hand it to the roster, but just like, you know everything the city's done to get to that point. And I think it's had a really negative effect on the game, at least in Europe. Uh, and it makes me want to watch a little bit less 
if I know that just I, I, I just don't want it to turn into like a Bayern situation in the Bundesliga where they've won 11 titles in a row and like no one else has a chance. Uh, and when someone else gets a chance, like they just get freaking thrown under the bus. Uh, yeah. It, as, as much as I hate United, uh, I think I just, it, it's, it's going to be sad for, at least for me, if City ends up winning the treble on Saturday next week. Hi, I'm Brad, noted, noted European soccer don't care person. Welcome <laughs> to my world. Like, you just explained the exact reason why I just don't care and really don't follow European soccer. Yeah. Um, so there was a moment, it was a little after the uh, fake halftime last night, where there was an RSL player down in the uh, southwest corner they were defending. So it would have been total opposite of where Brad and I sit. And uh, this guy chucked out one of the worst dives I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, like, easily. Should, yeah, Brad just realized what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you hear the whistle and I'm like, oh, great. She's going to book this guy. That was like fucking embarrassing for anybody who's ever kicked a soccer ball uh, to have had to witness that. And she calls a foul. And I was just like, oh, fuck. We're going to let RSL do this RSL shit all night after this two hour rain delay. Um, you know, on and on and on. Um, so lots of suffering there for me. Um, I'll try to get the exact minute and, uh, and clip it out and we'll send it out on social, but, um, it was, it was up there with, uh, the world famous Cristiano Ronaldo sniper fire one where he goes down and there's like nobody within five feet of him. Yeah. It was, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was, uh, it was that level of quality. Um, anything else you guys want to cover before we get out of here? We're, uh, approaching my rule. I had a friend who, um, once told me that she didn't listen to uh, podcasts about a 90 minute game that were longer than the game itself. So I try to keep them under that. Um, so anything else you guys want to cover before we get out of here? Owen Wolf's getting the start today against Uruguay in the quarterfinals of the U twenties. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's the other reason you got to duck out of here. All right. Well, um, on behalf of uh, Ram, Josh and Brad, uh, another fun edition of uh, Austin FC um, making us suffer, giving us a little bit of joy, but Hey, we're here for the ride uh, with you, and uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, as always, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Yeah, yeah. here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory!